This is Movies, a podcast about the active cinema. And with me today, of course, it is Hans. Now, Hans, you just finished watching this brand new, highly acclaimed TV program, Dallas. How is that going for you? Yeah, the, what, 20 seasons of that show? Is that one of those shows that, are those soaps that run for like, 30 years it did i mean it, it was it was in the late 70s i think it premiered and then it carried on throughout the 80s and then they brought it back after about 15 years you don't even know what it is about you're still wondering who shot jr yeah is that what happens on the, on the soap they kill oh all right oh no wow. he survives and he's back and then he he died in real life so they canceled the revival show very interesting hairdo is in that show well, it was the is 1980s. That Patrick Duffy? Yes, Patrick Duffy dies, and then they bring him back in the shower, and then people our age know it more as a family guy bit than a moment in TV history. Hmm. I know him as the dad from Step by Step, and that's it. Wait, is it Step by Step? No. It is. No, no, no. You're yeah, right. You're right. Yeah. I went back to Step by Step because they said, hey, we just added this to HBO Max. And I was like, wow, I remember watching Step by Step for TGIF. I wonder if this is any good. And after watching the first episode, the the context of the show is very peculiar. Did you ever go back and watch Step by Step? No. I just remember that, what is it? It's a couple of two divorced parents that have three kids each, right? Yeah. It's the Brady Bunch setup. Is that also the Brady Bunch? Just two divorced? I don't, I listen, in 1960, I don't know if you could say divorce, mm -hmm. maybe both of their, you know, right. widow, widower situation. I have no idea. Mm -hmm. But here, here, you know, I went and watched the first episode, Patrick Duffy was like, yeah, you know, I know we just got married abruptly because apparently they, they went on just like a crazy vacation. Oh, here's what it was. He's a customer at her hair salon. And then he popped up in Cabo or wherever she was partying with her girlfriends and, you know, getting away from the kids for a while. And uh, it turned out he stalked her and he mm -hmm. went to Cabo to plan this inorganic, ah, funny seeing you here. Let's fucking get married. And it worked. Yeah, and then typical 1991 romance. <laughs> it truly is. I mean, on Days of Our Lives or General Hospital, one of these shows, they had a guy who was, I mean, this is the crazy thing about soap operas since we're on the topic right now. Your character will evolve because they need new storylines and things to do no matter how bad the character is. So there was this character who was a rapist. I think his name was Luke. And he raped a woman. And then you cut to it five years later, and their wedding is the wedding of the century for television. Is Luke and Laura his rape victim? Oh wow! Yes, he, and he would. He worked. <laughs> it worked. <laughs> See that, that? That's the thing about a lot of art in the 20th century is they understood that yeah, you you can take some very uh, devious, evil means to secure the love of your life, and it'll play out to your favor. When did that come out? Well, the wedding was in the 80s. I don't know okay. when he raped her, you know? That was probably so, the 80s, too. So, yeah, it is uh, romancing the 80s way, I guess. Romancing the Stone. That's, what the, that's where the title of that movie came from. Hey, we're talking about The Curse tonight, the new Paramount Plus exclusive show that we did one episode on previously, the pilot episode. And the general sentiment that I put out in that episode was, eh, haven't we seen a lot of things like this? Do I really need to carry on and keep watching and do multiple shows on this damn series? And the answer is yes. 
The answer is a resounding yes. This show yeah. is the best thing of 2024 thus far. Yeah, I remember also not being impressed after episode three. I was just kind of like, yeah. Oh, that was the slog know. period is like two to four. Yeah. Two to Episodes two to four are not the most captivating. Episode one is all right in retrospect, but then they really get cooking around. I'll say there's 10 episodes. I'd say six or seven to 10. Six or seven to 10 is where it really gets good, but especially eight, nine, 10. I would say that that trifecta uh, ending the series, hopefully ending the series. It better not be a season two because it would really ruin everything. Yeah. The baby. The, story the baby. Of the baby. The story of the baby. <laughs> it could happen. It could absolutely happen. You could imagine these guys getting together and doing that again in four years. I hope not. I don't think that's something that. Uh, fuck. I don't want to say that's something that Nathan's known for doing, but. If the money is good enough, I guess they can convince you to do anything. Well, it might just be their own bad ideas that convince them to do it because they, they seem to have enjoyed the collaborative process and they have had fun with it. And Lincoln Film Center has been treating this like it's a movie by airing the episodes every week. And Christopher Nolan is doing a presentation on why episode seven of The Curse uh -huh. is Kino. You know, they're doing that whole thing. So it's entirely possible. I hope they don't. I really, I really hope so. Um, didn't you do an episode of kino is it kino is it this? kino but yes i did i did indeed which was very inconvenient because it was scheduled for like the original day we were set to record this episode so i was like all right i'll just talk about the curse for four hours today and yeah. i was so happy florian was on that episode florian has gotten uh you know the, the he's a bit of a starlet these days the the light has shined upon him for bad tweets or something bad film takes or something because he said oh my god steven universe is a hundred times better than tom and jerry stay mad and he tweeted that at somebody and then someone screen capped it and now he's infamous now he's more famous wow. than all of us combined the tom and jerry defenders of x went after him <laughs> <laughs> i completely forgot there was a tom and jerry movie released in 2021 direct to max hbo max that shit's crazy I... That's news to me right now. We should do an episode I, do, on that. Do, do they have the the mom, the mammy character? The mammy character. Yeah, you know how the the only human in those cartoons was like a a mammy. No, with with tall socks, and mm -hmm. she would talk to them in a very mammy accent. You don't remember that? No, I really don't. I have no recollection. I wasn't born during the forties, Hans. Well, listen. We got cartoons late. <laughs> we got a lot of reruns of those older Hanna Barbera like cartoons. This character. Oh no! I completely memory hold this. I I had no idea. Yeah, I would have just assumed and... it was a a big bear. Yeah, yeah, that cleans the house. <laughs> wow! It gets mad at the cat, and yeah. Okay, all right. I'm assuming they didn't add this character. What's this? Oh, I'm assuming they didn't add that character in a 2021 cartoon just because, you know. Well, who would you get to play that? Viola just, Davis? It's just, no, it's just, just Mexican now. <laughs> it's just a Mexican girl, like the Family Guy one. Of course. Well, I haven't, I haven't watched Tom and Jerry in a, in a hot minute. I have to get caught up on Tom and Jerry, I guess. 
So The Curse is directed by Nathan Fielder and I believe the Zellner brothers. And it's written, it's really the baby of Nathan Fielder and Benny Safdie. And I feel like this episode is going to drop now today, January 22nd, long after the discourse on The Curse has cooled down. So this is the exact wrong time. It's almost like, you know, it would have benefited us more to record this at a more timely date with a, with a willing participant. Who do you want to blame for that? Do you want to? I mean, who is it? It was Jerry who backed out of the episode or something. Who is it? Who's the guest on that episode? I don't know. We, you know what? There's a curse with this episode because yeah. all of our guests keep disappearing or saying, yeah. uh, get rid of the episode or saying, Nothing at all. They just disappear off the face of the earth, you know? So it's yeah. unfortunate. This episode, we had two guests lined up, and uh, Misfortune met both of them, it seems. So what did you... What, you know, you have a history with Nathan Fielder. You guys were friends. You yeah. went to high school together. You've watched all yeah, his we... shows. You tell him, hey, that's great work, buddy. And he gets uncomfortable because he doesn't like compliments. Yeah. I was supposed to play the Native America character. Native American the one who sings here, but, uh, The Lion Sleeps yeah. Tonight. What was it? What was the song? No, no, no. Stand no, by the me. One that, the, yeah, stand by me. No, the one that shows up or that's having a food at the cafe and then just starts talking like a stereotypical Native American, saying stereotypical Native American things. And the Amazon character goes, oh, my God, that's so beautiful. That one. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, I'm familiar with his previous work. I uh, Earlier last year, watched the rehearsal, which is also very funny. Have you checked it? No, I, we... I haven't watched anything no. in Nathan Fielder's before, okay. except The Disaster that's, Artist. That's also... Oh, wow. That's not even... What, who does he play? He, he's one of the friends, right? On that? I think he's the doctor in the room. Right. The, the one with glasses? Yeah, I think he's um, the one guy who gave Tommy Wiseau attitude and quit. If I remember the lore correctly on that one, yeah, uh, he's just I guess known now for this type of humor. He was doing it back in Canada, um, back in like the early two thousands. Uh, he would do like the the um, Steve Carell role uh, that he had on The Daily Show as a correspondent for another a comedy news show that I think was called This. Uh, hour has 22 minutes or something like that um and uh yeah it's just deadpan awkwardness uh and um this show multiple times uh had me laughing for reasons that you probably shouldn't laugh or just from being uncomfortable from seeing what was happening on screen and i i thought it was great really really enjoyable uh that type of uh that type of weird laugh that you get from just looking at this a bunch of white people trying to seem not bad uh, while at the same time being horrible themselves. Yeah, um, you have to have a high tolerance for uncomfortable humor. And if that's not your thing, you're not going to like this series. You know, so I, I, I am kind of half in and half out on that boat, I would say. my the The type of humor that really gets me going, really, for the most part is not the uncomfortable, uneasy, hey, we're being uh, socially awkward moments. I tend to respond much better to meme humor, but luckily yeah. this show is also full of enough of that, I would say. Starting from uh, Love to the Third Degree in that first episode, the reality show, 
about the burn victim. Yeah. I think that's just genius. And I started watching that around yeah. the same time I, I watched Golden Bachelor and it was like, wow, they got the editing down pat and the music and everything feels so one-to-one -one with what that actually is. Um, and very, have you- Very have you, bright, just, <laughs> just very in your face. Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you seen any of the uh, conversations at the Lincoln Film Center? They've uploaded them to YouTube maybe about a week or so after the fact. I was actually just watching the finale one with Benny Safdie not long before we started recording this. But what I learned from that was that they based that show off of another reality show that actually existed called Gay Army. And the premise of this show was that they would train a bunch of gay men to fight in the army. And then the season finale would have been them fighting the actual army. So... You know, it's it's uh, I'm very curious to see that one. Well, maybe we'll cover that for an episode of movies once you get through euphoria. Uh, yeah, that was Danish, right? Something like that. One of those, something like that. Yeah. that yeah, it's one of those Eastern European countries, I think. I think I think the biggest problem that I have whenever um, a show tries to be awkwardly funny, but it's not performed well, is that they they flip it to. Uh, trying to make the audience uncomfortable by how quirky they are, and that's when they lose me. Mm -hmm. um, I think like, like The Office or here, Parks and Rec or something, a show like that. Yeah, I mean, I think those were the uh, the ones that introduced that to the United States, uh, state, uh, uh, Jesus Christ, United States audience. So those are not as awful. Um, but whatever came after that, you know, when something becomes a success, and then. You need to have 10, 20 shows that just try to do the same thing, but not as 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 well done. Um, because I, I do remember enjoying those two to a point. Because like when it gets to a later seasons, you're just kind of like, all right, you guys run out of ideas and you just have to keep it going because for whatever reason, the show became huge and you can't just quit it now. Oh, um, no, they're bringing The Office back, as a matter of fact. And I think Steve Carell, one of them signed on immediately because they're all probably yeah. hard up for work minus john krasinski so yeah that's gonna be terrible that's gonna be horrible and only a couple of years ago i think steve crow was like oh you probably couldn't do the office nowadays <laughs> like what what the fuck are you talking about steve carell like how boring is your life that you think you couldn't yeah. do the your version of the office first of all now yeah well, they did have to change it, right? Because the first season is was very similar to the British one, and I think the uh, study groups or what do you call the um, not study groups, the focus groups were saying that uh, Michael Scott was too mean. He looked so too fat. To change him. I don't know why he put on all that <laughs> weight to look like Ricky Gervais. That was a bad move. I'm glad he lost weight. He was so puffy and greasy looking. He combed his hair his, back. He put oil yeah. in his hair too. And also they purposely tied his shirt too tight so that he would look meaner for whatever reason but they had to change it and make him more goofy instead of mean so that people would like him and that worked but um here i feel like you have a group of actors that are perfect at performing this i was not expecting that from Stone. i was really surprised because she was so good at playing that character but uh um everything comes so natural and even when they do things like I think it's episode four or five when uh, they're getting the call about about getting their show and Nathan Nathan Fielder starts air guitaring in the kitchen and it's all so earnest. Like he's not 
like you can tell he's not putting it on. He doesn't seem fake. He doesn't look like a performance. He just was like, this is something that this guy would actually do because he thinks that's either funny or cool. Yeah. And the honesty of that performance is, I think, what what keeps me coming back to his stuff because it just he sells it so well that you're like, yeah, he would do something like that, you know, and it doesn't seem fake or phony or put on. Uh, and they were able to get a group of actors where everyone just seemed to be a natural at, at performing that way. Even I'm very, I was very surprised by the, uh, Benny Safdie that he was also just a, like a, an honest piece of shit. And he, you know, the, his character just to his face will be just shitty to him. And it, it didn't seem out of character. It didn't seem, you know, uh, put on. It was just, yeah, that's who this guy was. So uh, uh, I think that's that's what um, you're able to immerse yourself into this weird universe because of the performance seems so honest and so natural for those characters. I think a big part of that for the supporting cast is collecting a bunch of faces that you would not typically see in a polished Hollywood production. That's something that the Safdie brothers have always done very well at is getting very normal seeming people or just on the cusp of normal. The types of people in high school probably that you would go, ew, let's not even politely acknowledge this person. But then they grow into a full adult and you have to politely acknowledge those people when it requires it because maybe they're trying to get a bank loan off of you or maybe they're trying to cut you in line or I don't know, something like that. The, the uh, I'm thinking about a lot of the pawn shop people and uncut gems. You know, you have essentially mm -hmm. the Southwestern version of that with all of these Native American, uh, you know, character actors that are that are in this piece and then also Barkhan Abdi is back and Barkhan Abdi is just playing an ungrateful piece of shit father uh to two girls and I think one of the strengths of this particular show is showing all the different facets of which people are terrible regardless yeah. of whatever their social standing is yeah and, and everyone's out for themselves like no one I'm trying to think, is there any character that comes out as not a bad person in this show? And maybe the security card from the casino, that's the, the one that he sees at the uh, hardware store later mm -hmm. in the season, right? That just ignores him. I think he's he might be the only one because it seems like everyone else is just out to either take advantage of someone or they do things to just benefit themselves. Uh, and it's very evident, it's very obvious that that's all they want. Uh, while also, well, maybe not pretending that they're not doing that. Maybe that's that's mostly the two main characters because everyone else is kind of very transparent and and to their face shitty. And I think the the interactions between someone that's pretty much the artist, the native artist is a perfect example, who's pretty much just being shitty to your face, but you can't do that because you're pretending to not be that person. That's the whole Emma's. Oh, your microphone, perceived. your microphone cut out there for some reason, but I, I got most of that. I got most of what you were saying uh, to add to that. I would also add the, the very rare guest appearance of Dean Kane in a not Christian talking dog film. That was nice. Although he did have a blue lives matter strip on his car, which prevented Emma Stone from even considering him a worthwhile human being to be featured on their program. 
And he was no. the only one that was excited about those houses too. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone else had complaints. And the one person that was excited about the house, she couldn't uh, because of the Blue Lives Matter sticker in his car. Yeah. Um, is, do you have any gripes with this particular show? Because people have been fawning over it left and right. And I'm certainly guilty of doing that. I mean, the the worst thing I could probably say about the curse off the top of my head is that you could have gotten everything you needed in about six episodes. I think there's about Maybe, four episodes yeah. here where, you know, I, and that's not to disregard what, like the purpose of filler, because sometimes people have that complaint. It's like, oh, it's too long or, oh, we could have cut this and that out. And that's coming from an audience critique. But if you do cut this and that out, it starts to lose its flavor. It starts to lose its character. And I do think a lot of the curse is built upon this sort of, we're edging towards something. There's a weird tension right beneath the surface. There's almost a horror movie vibe at times, but what's the worst thing that's happening here? It's just a not pleasant conversation, or maybe there's chicken yeah. on the sink. You know, there's raw chicken on the sink. You know, it, it's something along those lines. And it doesn't give you the satisfaction in the moment of this big payoff it culminates into what the finale winds up being, which we haven't even talked about yet, which is good. Yeah. Because that's been the trend is coming right out the gate is, okay, let's right, hop into that finale because there's a lot to dissect there. And there are things that I've learned about this show since finishing it. The first is that Nathan Fielder was going through a divorce while he was writing this with Benny Safdie, which... I think makes a hell of a lot of sense when you look at it through that lens. It's almost like, why did my marriage fail? Is it because you perceive yourself as the ultimate like beta male liberal stereotype here of you have no authority in your relationship and your wife doesn't respect you and she just wants attention from it? She's a like classic textbook narcissist and just wants yeah. to be whatever's most appealing to X person during X time and then suck all of the energy out of that suck all of the potential out of that to suit her ego could be that you know um and then the other thing i learned was that the finale was come up with before they had even started writing the show so they had that as an end goal in mind it wasn't a throwaway how the fuck do we wrap this up thing which i could understand that perspective as a viewer is like did they just pull this out of their ass because they did not know how to finish this thing but knowing that that was always going to be the end, I think, makes it a bit more interesting. Well, it does kind of have a normal ending with episode nine, right? Where he yes, where he kind of loses it, but then apologizes. Um, so you see that even when he's been humiliated, he's still not going to uh, go on with getting respect for himself because of I. I guess it can uh, the cherry tomato thing. I think you know that the no cherry one tomato to... boys. I've had that stuck <laughs> in my head since it popped up in the first episode. I was very tempted to buy that A twenty four online ceramics t shirt or long sleeve yeah. shirt, and then I was just like, ah, I don't really know if I can justify seventy dollar purchase for this niche TV series, even if it'll be worth a hundred and eighty probably on eBay. I'm not buying two. I'm going to buy one for me. So now nah, I'm not even going to get it at all. But yeah, no, I, you know, in Nathan Fielder's character, Asher, he continues to do this thing, which is like, yeah, you know, everybody can relate to 
replaying a conversation in their head where they wish they had said X, Y, Z and handled this a little bit different. And his kicks in a little bit sooner than the average person who experiences that sort of um, regret in that he will start to leave the conversation. And then he'll be like, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to regret how I handled this passively later. And then he turns around and just completely nukes any social rapport that was there that was nice and kind and polite by being aggressive and mean and volatile and in, in a very mitigated way. For example, there's an interracial couple about midway through the series that they're showing one of the houses to. It's a black woman and a white man. And Emma Stone gets kind of moody with the couple because they don't want to sign a thing that says that the Native Americans, you know, can seize the property or something. I don't I don't quite remember the exact details of it. They don't want to sign that. So the whole episode is going to be a wash. And the well, they also woman, they also they hate the house because the husband is fat and he's sweating. And he's like, yeah, I want to get an air conditioner in here. And she's like, well, no, this is a whatever carbon negative house. Uh, and he's like, yeah, but, and he's got all sweat. He's got back sweat shirt. that's just growing <laughs> in every new shot of him. Um, she says something pretty benign, which is like, you know, she, you better get her under control or something. And then uh, Asher starts to walk away and then he comes back and she's like, you fucking bitch. You know, he just gets yeah. very nasty, very mean in a way that is not required for what that situation is. And you see that repeatedly. You get a taste of that in the first episode where he's being assertive with the wrong people. Maybe. It's also, it, it, it's also being assertive in a way that's not natural to him, which is why I think that he always walks it back uh, within seconds because I feel like he's he's giving you what he thinks or how he thinks he should react to this if he was a different person. And then he immediately regrets it because that happens a couple of times where he curses at someone or something. And then he's like, oh, uh, no, you know, has to go back and, and apologize. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking back to the first episode where they're sitting down with a reporter and the reporter begins asking Whitney, that's Emma Stone's character, about her parents. And her parents are a sore spot for her because they are slumlords. They own a bunch of property. And that goes in the face of whatever she thinks her ethos is and uh, asher gets particularly attitudinal with the reporter because she's not even like looking at him she's not even acknowledging him i'll be honest it kind of it kind of gave me a, a flashback to when i was like 21 or 20 and um i got brought out to los angeles for survivor and i remember the casting director this woman named lynn spillman was uh, i was brought in with the the handler for me everybody got their own handler and for like five minutes not even five minutes. It was probably more like two minutes, probably more like three minutes, but it felt like five minutes. She was just having a conversation with the handler while I was sitting there. And I like snapped at her. I said, you're not being very respectful. I had that type of moment oh, that sweet. Asher had. And it, it got me through to the next interview. So I could, I could relate to that. Not so much when he's yelling at the black woman. He's just you fucking, you know, maybe other times, but yeah, that, yeah. uh, that I think is kind of an interesting aspect to his character that he he seems to be able to assert himself even if wrongly to these random people but not whitney he can't do anything with if anything it's the opposite and you do see the opposite of that in episode nine where she insists that they show the original cut of green queen originally called flip lamp trophy 
and uh, both both terrible names. Yeah. Um, <laughs> where the plot of the show is going to be, she's an aging woman trying to find herself, and she's weighed down by her goofy, stupid ass husband, who she's going to get rid of. And they show it, and his reaction is very like completely dejected he bursts out of the hotel room and then he comes immediately back and tells her how great she is and how he's just so in support yeah. and love with her more than ever and it it wraps up that's it yeah. they do like what you were saying before you kind of get the fake out finale with that episode twin peaks is the same thing twin peaks to return which was also on showtime it was a paramount property they give you the satisfying ending the typical ending in that penultimate episode. And then they do something different for that epilogue. The epilogue episode is always a little bit, we're getting kind of strange now. This is what happens afterward. So we can talk about the finale now, I think, unless there's anything else that, that preceded it that we haven't given enough attention to from your perspective. Do they mention uh, uh, Twin Peaks at all in those Lincoln Center? uh talks i'm not certain i haven't seen all of them i they okay. did cluster episode screenings where it was like four and five six seven eight maybe and then uh you know nine ten so i i don't know i haven't seen all of them i've watched maybe two or three and as far as i'm aware no i i don't think so although they had to have had it at front of my, i mean it's not very like twin peaks at all but the eerie nature, the elevated nature of certain supernatural aspects, I guess, although it's very confined to the finale, does feel a bit Twin Peaks. And Dougie's think, uh, character name is is also what one of the characters in, in Twin Peaks Return is is called. So So an adult named Dougie that everyone calls Dougie. Um I think the way that it's shot is also very interesting because, yeah, you have really good performances. Um, you have a, a lot of very awkward scenes and a lot of uncomfortable laughs. But I think the way that it's shot and the soundtrack they use to raise the tension and to make you feel uneasy, not knowing what's coming, uh, adds an extra layer of what the show could have been if it was shot in a, the office type of way where more more realistic and more documentary like style because even though the performances are really strong uh i think that that just added an extra layer of uncertainty as to wait am i supposed to be taking this seriously or is this this feels weird uh i don't know why it feels weird there's like you said there's like a, a hidden element there of this, is this a horror movie or is this going to have a, a horror element to it? Uh, and it, I think it comes from the soundtrack they use, the weird noise rock. I don't know what you, you call it. It, it sounds um, like uh, Daniel Lopinen who did Uncut Gems. And I think he did Good Time, but it's not him. It's a new guy completely. And it has a, a slightly different vibe to it, but it has that ambient eeriness that both of those films have. And it works really well because there's a lot of long takes where nothing happens where they might just be sitting there and then there's maybe a zoom in and you're waiting for something to come and you're feeling that little bit of tension and then either nothing happens or the tension is broken by someone saying something but i think it added an extra layer of i guess art 
it makes it more artistic to me or more interesting to watch because the the pairing of uh fake documentary style thing uh and and i remember when i first saw the the first episode i was like hold on so this is a show about them making a documentary about these people but we're not seeing the documentary because you do you do see what they shoot but then they go back to like the behind the scenes or like so there's a lot of layers there in the first episode i remember that i was like the music adds a lot to this because if, it, if this was just shot straight like a like like the office like those uh, um fake documentary shows i don't know if it would be as effective when it comes to building tension as those long takes and and uh not in your face camera uh, uh shots that you get here there's a lot of scenes where the camera just kind of catching them there in a corner and you hear them talk so it's it's a lot more immersive than if you you know the way they would react if the camera was on them at all times uh, a lot of the times they're inside a car and they're talking or or you know talking like if they're not being recorded and the the music on top of that i think added a lot of, of I liked that a lot, uh, that that little element that maybe uh, this type of, uh, uh, I guess, if you want to call it a fake fake documentary uh, show, and, and I think mostly because of the shots that are selected, I, I think I would maybe consider it something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, but that extra layer of that, that weird tense music, I think it added a lot to the show. And it's just like a little a little touch of extra, you know, that, that you wouldn't expect for for a show like this. What I thought was interesting about the composition that is laid into the series is that they had somebody, and I, I let me take a look at the guy's name because he deserves credit for it, definitely, but it was not scored to picture, which means that he came up with something that he just felt was a vibe after watching some raw dailies, mm -hmm. nothing in particular, and then they implemented the music accordingly. Is Which it is, uh, John Medeski? John Medeski. Music okay. By... Oh, and Daniel Lopatin did do some of the music, it says here. Okay. So, okay, that, that tracks then. Yeah, and they would just take a track from his, like, 20 set or something that he compiled for the series, and then they would throw it in wherever they felt appropriate, I guess. Which is not the norm, necessarily, for a lot of productions like this. If you have a composer, typically they'll sit down, they'll watch the scene unfold, and then they'll come up with something that matches whatever the vibe and the tension and the length of the scene is. So it, this was entirely the, the doing of Benny and Nathan, which uh, I would be up for seeing more collaborations between these two. I think leave this alone. Let this just be the 10-episode series. Maybe pick up something different and new. And I'm, uh, I will say after watching The Curse, I am at least 70% more interesting in seeing uh, interested in seeing this Benny Safdie Dwayne Johnson movie that's supposed to come out in a year or two his first solo directing effort that is going to star the rock i had i had was you know my enthusiasm for that was in the gutter but now i'm very curious to say the least uh, it says that Benny Safdie hints at season 2 there are ideas for season two, bringing hope to fans about this potential continuation, but no decision has been made by Showtime or Paramount. Good, let it, just let it sit, let it, let it be.
Okay. Do yeah. do something different. Give them another deal. Exactly. Yeah. Just have them do a different project. If this worked, don't ruin it by wanting to catch lightning in a bottle again. And because it's not, it's just, you don't can't. change like the after... context of what this exists in. You know, I think the highest compliment that I could pay a TV series is in retrospect, looking at it as a film. When I think about true detective season one, I don't even think of it really as a season of TV. I think about it, although I will say, now that we've had like three really shitty fucking follow-ups of that, it 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 does affect it a little bit. But it, you know, I think about True Detective and I think about it the same way I think about a movie. And that's mainly yeah. because I think you have the same writer and director for every episode, which is not a common thing in television. But this did not have that. But I think it wraps up so nicely. And Having you know when when the when the finale dropped, and we're going to talk about True Detective after mm. this because I don't know if you've watched it, you probably haven't, and that would be a correct no. choice. I just yeah, watched I the new episode it. that premiered last night. Again, we're recording this on January twenty second, so the episode was on January twenty first. It gets worse and worse. It's it, it, I couldn't believe some of the things I'm seeing pop up in this. It's really it really, and I said this before. It feels like there was a script for a speculation script for for a season of true detective or some girl boss crime show or something they retrofitted it into true detective night country hbo in 2020 they did this big push we need more women we need more black women we need more black 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 black, black. and then they cooled down then they chilled out for a second and this feels like that that period and they just forgot to release it during that time that's what it feels like. And I thought they were coming around and doing something different and cool and, you know, doing good shit again. And then this comes up and it's like, it's all of your worst fears. And I was fully on board to like this True Detective season. I thought the the, the trailers to it looked interesting. Alaska is a cool setting. Jodie Foster is great. And she's still great, even though the series is shit. But it's all bad in the worst way you would expect. I hate having to say that. I hate having to say, oh, it's the girl boss. True to I don't want to say that because then they fit you in the the quartering and um, yeah. <laughs> the critical drinker. You know, you fit that mold. But it's true. For this series, it's, it's absolutely true. Every single guy is Asher from the curse, basically. Some uh, some Somewhere on the actor? gradient. Who's the actor that plays his site? Is John Hawks? Is it? Mm -hmm. Plays his, her psyche. He's so he he gets at... he gets fucking um the shaft. You know he's he, <sighs> they treat him with so little respect. And Jodie Foster's like, yeah, what do you get a mail order bride? He's like, oh, actually, ah, uh, actually, yeah. shut the fuck up, John Hawks. That's such I a mean, waste. He's it so is a waste. Good. He's great all the time, and he's a HBO staple. And they did not give him the role that he should have had. He should have been one of the two detectives. It, him and Jodie Foster, great pairing. That would have been a great pairing. Instead, they gave it to some female MMA fighter, and she doesn't have range at all as an actress. And she's constantly bringing up what? Oh, white men, and then she rapes a guy. Kind of, you know. He's like, oh, I got to pull out, and then she's like, nah, nah, and then she's fucking riding his dick, and then he goes, oh, he comes like a little girl. <laughs> Not that I know how a little girl would come. That's that sounds pedophilic. <laughs> yeah, that's a, but you know what I'm saying here, you know. Yeah. So it's not good. It's like, really like not it's good. Like it's Pat. Yeah, so it's gets Pat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it, it's it's just the the worst version of itself. And 
I, I couldn't express how disappointed I was with that. They, they're, they're also taking after Twin Peaks where they have, they're starting to merge the True Detective seasons. So Russ Cole's dad, Matthew McConaughey, his character's dad is a character in this True Detective Night Country show that's discussed and he comes back as a ghost. And Hans, look up Bob from Twin Peaks real quick. If you can just pull that up on screen share here. They made his dad look like Bob and he's doing weird Bob things on Twin Peaks and, you know, he's doing dances and reaching for things. It's just fucking shit. I hate it. I really do. Uh, I'm going to keep watching it because just to see how bad it gets, I have a sneaking suspicion they're going to tie all the supernatural things into aliens, you know, because it's Alaska and why not? Travis is... Travis Cole. Name. Yeah. Let me see if I can find a, an image of him so that I, we can compare it. Uh, he's a he, he's just a guy in a flannel shirt with long graying hair. Okay. So he looks exactly like Bob, and Bob is the the ultimate antagonist of Twin Peaks. So here we go. All right, that's Bob. Yep, that's Bob. And then we take a look at yeah, there you go. And then there's Russ Cole's dad, Travis. The ghost yeah that sucks i hate when they do that i hate when they i thought the whole universe or creating universes thing was dying because of how bad it's failed for for those big studios but mm -hmm. well that, know, that's another reason? thing that's what makes me think it was on the shelf for a while is that not treating it as a solo thing but also just like the the political nature of how these characters are handled in like it's literally literally like we have a small town in alaska and the only people you can take seriously to handle shit are women hmm. full stop yeah very 2020 uh so well I, is it at least visually and it's because that's one of the things about season one that i like so much is that the way it's shot it's so great and they couldn't replicate that on two and three I'm assuming that four is also kind of whatever. Well, I think a, really. a big thing with the first season of True Detective is that it's in the bayou, you know, mm -hmm. it's in the swamp, it's gross, and it has a distinct character to it where it's like you're investigating these, you know, the murders and the trafficking and all the bad shit, and it's also hot and sweaty and nasty, and you have backwoods rednecks that are involved and i think that gives it a lot of character with true detective night country i kind of like the fact that it seems smaller and more confined and it feels like sets but no no it's actually maybe the least compelling version of alaska that we've seen on film like i'm thinking about i think insomnia takes place in alaska that looks good you know, it, it, I don't know. It's just, and here's another thing too that they caught in this new episode is the use of AI, which they did not even hire people to use this in the right way. Like, I, you see my backdrop here. You see Hans's backdrop, right? Okay, it would, look at Hans's backdrop here. You're in full screen right now. Yeah. Let's say this was a professionally released theatrical film. Now we have Frankenstein, we have War of the Worlds, we have Burn Notice. Well, 
these companies probably aren't signing off on the copyright for those projects. So what are we going to do? We're just going to take the generative fill tool and we're going to place it over the word Frankenstein. And what will it replace with Frankenstein is big monster. And it'll, <laughs> it'll look weird. It'll look AI. -y. You know how AI, whenever it does writing, it does, it's always kind of fucked. Yeah. It doesn't get writing just yet. It can do yeah. a perfectly sculpted human face. that looks totally legit. Like I saw the New York post did a, an article on polyamory and it took me a second to realize all three of these people kissing this black lady in the shot are AI. It's an AI shot. So um, they do things like that. Like there's a picture uh, or there's a poster of kiss the band kiss and it says metal and it's like the Metallica font. Let me see if I can pull this up real quick. I saw that and I was like, wow, the people at HBO, like they couldn't hire somebody at HBO who knows how to actually do this sort of thing and mask it into the project in a way that's going to appear seamless. That's not that surprising, but I mean, it's unfortunate. I mean, I should have known yeah. something when I saw the the trailer to the Sex and the City sequel series and just like that, and they were borrowing from the same stock footage source that I have in the past. So... Yeah. Like how little do they care for their oh I found I found an image. You found it? Okay, uh, let's take a look at yeah. this, please. So <laughs> it's it looks pretty bad to you. Is it the metal the metal kiss one? Yes. Yeah, it's horrible. Metal US and it doesn't on, even they left the can... AI writing in there. Uh, hold on. Let me, uh, I guess yeah, Welch just, is signed uh, off yeah. on it. Met it doesn't even say well see it, it does say metal but the a is weirdly stretched uh-huh and it says us tour second live first live yeah that's so low effort i'm so well i'm not surprised but uh it's just i guess it's disappointing oh, oh yeah, this guy like, just has like a brand new bag of tortilla chips and dog food yeah. by his bed who the fuck was yeah. the set designer on this show? It's late night snacks. You know, you dip your tortilla chips into a can <laughs> of delicious dog food. What is that beside the bed? Is that more AI shit? It made me want to like dissect every frame of this series to see what was AI and what wasn't. And I felt like, am I tricking myself right now by thinking this is AI? Um, they made sure to show the Welch's logo, camera, yeah. camera facing, of course. No, but this fourth uh, article does. Oh, nope. Does say that yeah, AI generated art on the latest episode. At least one AI generated poster. First uh, is a K-pop band, IVE, and some folks online are saying it's a legit poster. Can't find it in an email search, but that doesn't mean it's in real. And then no, it's not a legit. Just, I mean, uh, it might be a legit poster, but they touched oh, it up with AI. Okay. There's a better photo of it. Let's let's take wow. a look at this. Yeah, that's horrible. That is so lazy. That's why, why will this old man have those two? <laughs> I was just thinking of the like the vibe of these two bands are very different. It seems like a, is that yeah. like just a a group of Indian women? What is that? You know. Yeah, so I don't weird. know. Uh, it's like set design. God damn. Yeah. 
Well, and I, you know, the only thing that I find as reprehensible as that are like the people who don't understand AI who get all up in arms about it. Cause I think they had a tweet right beneath that. That was like, oh, the, the only, you know, the, some dumb kid hired at HBO to do this. I mean, yeah, clearly like they always oh, taking somebody out of the job. Was that that yeah. useful of a job to begin that? I mean, come on. It's what a fucking 20 minute Photoshop thing. That's going to look worse. <laughs> it's going to somehow probably look yeah. worse than that. Realistically. I mean, I, I, I don't I know. I mean, I don't know. I think you don't even need it. Why don't you just have a picture of him with someone that, that seems to me like something that an old, what does he do? A minor and look on minor would have a, an image of metal us tour next to a k-pop band or whatever that was mm -hmm. it's, it's just it it doesn't make and maybe they they don't expect people to pause it and pay attention to this type of thing but that's just so lazy and so i don't care about what i'm doing that it's good that people are actually doing this it's just like can you try a little bit set the sign can you think about this for five minutes or when you're you know, uh, checking camera to see what the shots look like. Doesn't it look silly to you that there's these fake posters on the wall from this, you know, uh, um, um, blue collar worker? Uh, I don't know. It's just it, it just reeks of laziness and just lack of caring from the production to me. Absolutely. And here's a radical idea, too, is how about putting a licensed poster on the wall so you don't have to fucking do this after the fact? I don't know. There, there's a thought, or I mean, was the the director just so hung up on like, yeah, he'd like Kiss. Oh, we don't have the rights to the Kiss. I mean, I, I know it's HBO. We have a lot of money, but we don't have the rights to the Kiss poster. They won't give us the rights. Yeah, but why don't we put it there anyway? Like, who who came up with this solution? You could have easily gotten around this. I'm sure Warner Brothers has tons of music and has the yeah, rights exactly. to certain posters from that era that would have fit the vibe perfectly well. And if not, then do what Hans just suggested. Have a picture on the wall of something, something uh, yeah. from the man's life, you know, but they didn't. Yeah. Don't, don't they have any properties that they could use that could, you know, look not like this, <laughs> like, especially for, for a company uh, like HBO, this just seems so, uh, just low effort just low budget just i i would expect this in like a, a short film that's uh for film school you know where where you just whatever i just printed this five minutes before you guys got here we're gonna shoot in my apartment uh let's do this you know mm -hmm. not a production that's taken i don't know how long to shoot and these little details that are so easy to catch um and i'm just saying they're easy to catch because there there's a lot of articles about this um, and yeah, it's just, just lazy, unnecessary, low budget stuff, uh, from a big company. It doesn't make sense. It really doesn't. It really does not. And I mean, it, th I think this must've been a, a director decision. She, I feel like the only way you run into this situation, Issa Lopez has directed every episode of True Detective and I, she might do the entire season. She also wrote it. I feel like the only person who would potentially cause this problem is the director. And she's been hung up on referencing other things through, hey, look at this little piece of media here. Hey, here's a VHS tape of The Thing. on the, Like, get The Thing, which was Antarctica, and now here's The Thing on the shelf, and we're in Alaska. It's snow. 
it's well not... that's how you know it's good right because they showed a movie that i'm supposed to like yeah i haven't point. seen it you gotta do the soy I haven't face seen just... it, but yeah that, <laughs> yeah that, so this yeah. is good immediately because hey recognize this john carpenter movie that was a big yes. thing in like 2007 with indie filmmakers like if you watched a mm -hmm. joe swanberg movie or something you'd see oh here's yeah. the, here's a here's a vhs of um hannah takes the stairs you would see that type of thing and then it got ooh, it hit a saturation point about seven years later and it seemed like people quit that they understood don't do that except for the portland horror scene which is where she seems to be in her head in that space and that's the vibe of this show is like the whole jeff vandermeer annihilation fucking girl power when we're trying to do I, like it, it's just shit it sucks that fucking blows that's not captivating and this yeah. season will always have an asterisk next to it okay so anyway it's not you, the curse would you, would you say it's the worst one of four so four seasons so far yeah yeah i would but i mean here's the thing the um, there are elements of true detective night country that are more interesting and not interesting in like a plot way or a story way. I think just visually more interesting. Snow is always a good way to go for a detective story. Mm -hmm. That's my personal uh, feeling on it. And it's a little more interesting than doing modern Los Angeles or wherever season three took place. What was it Georgia, Atlanta, somewhere like that, somewhere Southern, but yeah. So th that it has that going for it, but the execution of things is just so three out of 10. And I like, jo I like Jodie Foster as a lead more than anybody in season two, maybe season three. So, but they even have her fucking men. Like, what are you doing? Just let her be, let her just be a, you know, dried up old dyke. Come on. That's what <laughs> she is. She shouldn't be well, fucking Dr. Who. But it's also such a wasted opportunity because, yeah, like you said, Snow, uh, if you shoot it in an interesting way, it has a lot of personality, just the Snow alone. You know, it's like an extra character. Look at Fargo, right? Yeah. Uh, so the fact that they don't even take advantage of that, I guess, shows you the uh, competence of, of the person that's in charge of creating this show and, and what a drop off from season one, even more than, than two and three. Absolutely. Um, let's get back on the curse real quick because we need to talk about yep. the finale a little bit more. And I'm sure yeah. anyone listening to this is like, why haven't they talked about the finale? You know, so Nathan Fielder floats away. There you go. That's what happens. Yep. And who could have seen this coming? Well, they hint what at it, it he... several times. He takes a nap, right? And then he wakes up on the roof or something like that. Yeah, uh, I think they go to bed for the night and then he wakes up because oh. she's also in bed, but she's right. not floating upward. Gravity exists still for her. And she also goes into labor at the same exact time that he begins floating away. And his conclusion is that it's an air pocket. There's something wrong with the house and I have to get outside, which is not the move that I would have done. <laughs> I would have assumed the craziest worst case scenario of, Oh fuck! I've I'm somehow um, going to die if I get outside. I'm going to space. I would have assumed that immediately because I watch a lot of Mister Nightmare and uh, Chilling Tales or whatever the hell these these creepy pasta stories are about UFOs and uh, 
uh, the dimensional barrier breaking and people on your ring doorbell at three in the morning trying to get inside. And it's a crazy old woman and she's smiling at you. You know, I, I pay attention to a lot of that. People hate it. You know, I've, I've seen enough people whose opinions I respect who did not like the finale, but, uh, and then also who liked the finale. It's been a 50, 50 split. And I understand why some were put off by this crazy conclusion but it doesn't change anything at all for me. I never took it as outside of the reality of what we saw thus far or even impossible. I kind of feel like this thing happens maybe once every 30 to 50 years to somebody and we just never hear about it. They just go, yeah. they just disappear. Who knows? You wouldn't know. You wouldn't know at all, you know? And who would talk about it? What are you going to sound like a fucking nut? You're going to talk about this and sound crazy? No, you would have no idea. I mean, I talked to a guy recently who's like high profile and he's like, oh, yeah. So, you know, the UFOs, they actually do exist in a spiritual realm. And the U.S. government has a deal where they're OK with the UFOs eating people's souls in disaster areas. And that's part of what Tucker's ta talking about. I had a high profile, respectable person tell me this. And I was just like, ah, OK, good to know. Thanks. And that was the end of the conversation. So, you know, who knows? I don't know. I certainly don't. That sounds pretty wacky to me. But who the fuck knows? Yeah. I think uh, because of, you know, what you said about how there's there's like a weird uh, horror-like vibe throughout the season. Ending it with something like this and then with the, with the little book end uh, of having those regular people at the end being like oh that's the guy from that tv show uh so this is probably just something for the tv show or whatever so that's it's not weird anymore after they say that uh it, it i don't know it, it worked for me i it, it i i was intrigued by it because i was like oh. after episode nine after i feel like he gave you like an ending and he gave you uh yeah he's not gonna change like he's not gonna step stand up for himself and if she stays with him, then then that's up to her. But he's not going to do anything to change that uh, uh, by, you know, uh, storming out and then coming back and saying, I'm so sorry, I haven't, whatever. Uh, I felt like that was the ending. So I was like, okay, I still have an episode to go. I wonder where they're going with this because you can't really go that far with one episode left. And the fact that they just decided to just do something like this, or I guess they decided that before everything else, um, it just it worked i went with it and i was like mm -hmm. i've you know I've, i'm i'm in i've been in already for nine episodes and and as soon as it started getting crazy like this so yeah let's let's do this why not yeah i it never veered off into something where it betrayed anything that came before that's the big mm -hmm. thing i'll say did you watch this like going in totally fresh and unspoiled or were you spoiled before checking out the no. finale Nope, nothing. The only, uh, and I'm glad that the people that I follow uh, only said that e they either liked it or not. Uh, no one specified what happened or no one mentioned the, the event that happens. It was more of a, holy shit, <laughs> see what they did with that last episode. Mm -hmm. you know, or, or, well, I'm surprised where they took it. Um, and uh, I think it's because I, I, I think I only saw it a couple of days after, after the ending came out. Uh, but yeah, I didn't have it spoiled and I I was not expecting it at all. And when it started happening, I was like, oh, I'll, yeah. I mean, th I, I, that's his 
his brand, I think, Nathan Fielder, like you're expecting something and then you get the opposite. And I just, yeah, it just, it worked as, as like a, an, an extra, you know, um, we're going to do what we want to do and we have the freedom to do whatever we want with this show. So if you don't like it, then whatever, it's up to you, but I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I got, I didn't, I wasn't spoiled. But I was tipped off something weird was going to happen. And I kind of felt like we were past the point where something supernatural was going to happen. Because I was like, if there was going to be any hint of this, we would have gotten it already through the multiple curses. First, the the little black girl curses Asher. And then, is this episode nine or eight where Dougie curses Asher after they hang out and have dinner together? That's eight. That's eight. Okay, so there's a bit of time... Because it's the end, right? This is the last thing on the episode, and then the next episode is when the ending is the confrontation. That's right. So it is eight. Yeah. That's right. And their relationship is so peculiar. I had no idea until about halfway in that they had like a history as childhood friends, or really, it was just like mm. incorporating his bully into his life. Yeah. You know, just having his bully hang around long enough, which I guess makes sense for Asher's uh, sexual proclivities. Um, which, you know, that's its own conversation. But anyway, I logged on to Letterboxd to put in, like, The Hounds of Baskerville or whatever the fuck I was watching that day. And I saw Mumkey had uh, written for the review, this is the craziest ending to a TV show I've ever seen, or some, something to that effect. And then I saw a review under that that was, like, Portal 2 vibes. And I was like, What? For the curse finale, all right, I got to hurry up and get to this. So I rushed through episode nine, which was the other episode I hadn't caught yet, and then uh, started the finale. So I expected something weird was going to happen, and I was so pleasantly surprised, knowing that something weird was going to happen, that they did not overdo it. They kept it subtle. They kept it mitigated. It is a crazy event, but it's a crazy event in the same way that you listen to... Um, you know, one of these YouTube video essays on the uh, the the woman who made everyone in the hospital pass out because she was dying. She took so much um, oil of some kind into her body. Right. And then when they like would inject her with something, it would break the skin and like everyone around her would pass out because it was just so powerful. It was like an ammonia like. Oh uh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. God, what was the name? That came out. The the yeah. toxic lady, I think, was what it was called, yeah. and the entire hospital fell unconscious, which is crazy. It sounds crazy, yeah. <laughs> but it happened. It happened. Yeah. And I think they might have done an ER episode on it, actually, or like she exploded a room of the hospital because there was something so toxic in her intestines and the gas. You know, the crazy shit happens all the time, and it just seems out of out of your realm of comprehension as it's occurring but that doesn't mean that there aren't mechanisms in which this makes sense it just means you don't have the full picture i don't know what the full picture on asher floating up to space could possibly ever be you know maybe he had a lot of helium the night before i don't know but certainly uh i think it was a great conclusion to the series and the best episode of the series probably I think the last two are are certainly up there. Do you have one? You, it seems like you maybe you don't agree with that, or maybe you're lukewarm well, on that. I w I was thinking of uh, when you said the filler episodes um, earlier, uh, because we do spend a couple of episodes um, 
knowing the the other characters that don't really like the, you have the episode with the the mom that has cancer from the Mexican guy, right? And it's focused a lot on his story, even though he doesn't really become much of a character throughout the season. Uh, and but I feel like even though the story could do without that, um, it's it's a way of maybe giving the main characters a little bit more to do just so that you are familiar with who they actually are. Because in that scene um, where uh, Dougie is trying to make the mom cry so that she's crying on the screen uh, so that, you know, it's it's a more compelling show. Uh, and then the, the other two kind of disagree, but then they go with it because they want a successful show too. Uh, and and I feel like a, a couple of episodes kind of feel like that. Um, I I don't know if if maybe cutting them off and, and keep it in as like an eight episode season would work better. I, and I honestly, because I saw them back to back, I couldn't tell you which, especially anything before eight, I couldn't tell you which episode is which because I I just watched them back to back. Um, but I think the length for something like this. I don't know. I think 10 is the the sweet spot there. Uh mm -hmm. you could maybe cut it down to 8 or or 9 if you were going to add that episode at the end. Uh but again, I I feel like on episode 9 everything was kind of wrapped up and the fact that they were just yeah, this is going to be just a crazy thing that happened. It's a very small episode too. It, and it's weird to say that because of what happens, but the whole episode is mostly focused on him floating away and trying to not i guess and then her trying to help him but then she's also uh about to have her kid and the little bit that we we uh, spend away from them is the doggy character who just arrives to help but his help is just that he wants to record whatever it is that's happening right um so yeah i i think for for last episode of a season uh it's definitely something that i wasn't expecting but i think it added and I think I've said extra layer like five times on this episode already, so that's annoying, but an extra layer to this show that you were not expecting at all when you watched the first nine, that made me appreciate it more just because they had the guts to do it um, and go all in. It wasn't just, you know, oh, he turned blue and now the rest episode he's blue and we don't know why he's blue. You know, no, he floated into space and he died. And then his skit was born and our main character, the guy that we followed for the whole season. Yeah, he's in space now somewhere. And that's how we want to end it, you know, and, and, and the fact that they're brave enough to do that, uh, even though, you know, you have online people that complain about everything. Uh, I, I appreciate that a little bit more that they they were brave enough to to pull off something crazy like that and worked damn all that talk about layers put me in the mood for a five layer crunch wrap supreme from taco bell ugh. Disgusting. what do you mean ugh you bought like a hundred dollars worth of cheetos when you were in the u.s you're gonna ju judge taco yeah. bell yeah i don't like that is all mexican food that's gringo mexican food <laughs> the better mexican food is what i call it so it's clean yeah. not supposed to be clean you're supposed <laughs> to have you know a uh, cook that has dirty fingernails making your tacos yo all i see on all i see on facebook i get recommended these like terrible videos and it's always like some hispanic country and they have the giant tubs of whatever sugar drink it is and then they scoop it with the ladle but then you see like yep. bees 
flooding in and then they're trying to get the bees out and then they give someone a cup of this Kool-Aid drink and there's bees in it, like dead bees. Yeah. And then the person just, you know, they take the cup. Yeah, flies that just <laughs> stood on a turd and now they're on your drink. That's why when whenever uh, Americans go to Mexico and they're like, oh my God, these tacos taste so much better. That's it. Is the, it's extra the bees. Did I ever tell you, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this, but my dad growing up in Mexico, and uh, we're talking 1950s, 60s, uh, behind his house, there was um, uh, a baker, a bakery. But he told me that they used to have these giant ovens and the uh, people that would bake the bread, the ovens were outside, like no roof or anything, because we're talking about a, a place where it maybe rains twice a year. It's just a desert, right? Uh, and um, they would be shirtless. And my dad would tell me that the bread, they would like the, I don't even know what you call that action of like, I guess, making the bread and pushing it together, whatever. And because they were in front of the oven, they would sweat and they would grab pieces of the bread as they're, as they're folding and whatever. And they would dry up the sweat with the bread and then just put it back on the bread or whatever. And he said that they would sit on like the 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 little what do you call it the fuck the their backyard had like a little wall and then they would sit on top of the wall mm -hmm. and just watch them make it and then whenever the bread will be done they will give them a a piece for free and they would eat the fuck out of it because he said it's the most delicious bread i've ever had in my life because of that extra spice so that's just yeah. you know <laughs> I, th I think there is probably some truth to that maybe yeah. not like hey the absorption of sweat into the food and you're consuming it is what makes it better. I don't know about that, but uh, there is something know. that's lost when it's just robot. It's a mm -hmm. robot making it. Yeah. So that's sweat. No, no salt needed. It's just coming from their sweat you know, mm -hmm. and in a uh, hundred degree weather, or whatever. I don't know what the conversion is, but uh, yeah, I think there's, there's some truth to that. Cause when you go to a taqueria in Mexico, it's just, they use the same pot that they use for everything else. And it's just like, just bring the piece of meat. I'm going to cut it with the same knife and just here it is. There's all the flavor you need. So yeah, I'm, I'm anti Taco Bell. I'm I more, mean, look, I know. think Taco Bell is probably fucking, especially New York Taco Bell in reality. Yeah. I have n no interest in seeing what the inside of that establishment looks like. Cause I know uh, I'm going to be horrified. I know it's going to be yeah. nightmare time, but uh, you know, I do get a lot of, you know, I was just thinking about more videos. I was recommended on Facebook the, the like the Facebook reels, it's just like, why, why are you trying to compete with Instagram and YouTube shorts mm. and TikTok, you know, but I'll get like, it'll be some like chubby white or Hispanic guy living out in like Georgia. And, uh, you know, it'll be like, is this bussin or is it disgusting? And it'll be like espresso in a McFlurry bussin. <laughs> And it makes me just want to fucking kill everybody who uses Facebook. Yeah, it's just just Midwesterners going wild, being ginormous, <laughs> just huge people uh, tasting, yeah, disgusting uh, Mountain Dew on their, what was the thing that I saw the other day? Mountain, Mountain Dew, Dew on their Have dashboard. Um, no, Have you I seen haven't. Mountain Dew chicken? Yeah, mm -hmm. where they pour Mountain Dew on, the, on a pan and then uh, cook the chicken on the juice from the Mountain Dew. Wow, yeah. that sounds like such a trucker meal. Yeah. That's Ugh. fucking gross. Jesus it's Christ. Yeah. Uh, not busting. Disgusting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Uh, anyway, all right. So the curse, as opposed to as opposed to the curse, which is busted. Yeah, because <laughs> the curse is terrific. The one episode in 2024, the best thing I've seen thus far this year, or come out this year, 2023, maybe the best series of 2023. Highly recommend, and I'm very interested to see what what happens with everybody involved creatively. And that's where where I'm at with it. We'll cap the episode there. And again, go over to patreon.com slash Laura. Sign up in the $5 tier because we're going to have some exclusive episodes dropping. Who will be the first guest of 2024? No idea at this point. It'll probably just be Jerry. Yeah. Jerry hasn't been on for a second. Yeah. Old reliable. Old reliable Jerry. (laughs) Uh, What's the rehearsal, by the way? I think we should do an episode on that too if if you enjoy that. Uh, I'm down to check that out. I'm definitely down to check out more from Nathan Fielder and get a little more well-versed on his uh, filmography. But can you really call it a filmography? It seems like it's all fake reality TV. So, yeah. Okay. We'll check that out. Are you excited for Euphoria, Sam Levinson's HBO series? Because I said, hey, Kelby wants to do an episode on Euphoria. And you said, oh, shit. Okay. I just... I. I've only seen uh, criticism of it, uh, but then I know you're very positive on it. You were also very positive on The Idol, which is not something that I, I saw. I'm more positive on Euphoria. I, I will okay. say that. Here's the thing about Euphoria, though, to be prepared for. Zendaya is annoying as fuck. Zendaya no, is... A surprise. Yeah. I, I was a surprise for me. I didn't find her annoying for the Spider-Man movies. You know, I thought she was just kind of... Oh, she looks like a dirty, unshowered girl. Yeah. Okay. Is she not that in this one? Oh, she's or... kind of that. No, she's kind of that still, you know. <laughs> okay. Her her character's very, like, try-hard drug addict kid and doesn't exactly ring true to who she is. But she's she becomes fine by season two for the most part. It's really everyone else on Euphoria is excellent and it makes sense why they're all blowing up as stars right now. Sydney Sweeney, Jacob Alardi, and... Um, Hunter Schaefer and a couple of other people as well. I think I was pleasantly surprised by the show. The show's edited and shot great. And compared to The Idol, The Idol's very like downbeat. That was, I think that show was good too, but Euphoria is much, much better. Okay. I'll, well, well, we'll definitely do an episode on that. Yes. So stay tuned episodes? for March. We're, we're, we're going to do that. Season three won't be until 2025, so you won't have to catch up in real time okay. or anything like that. A lot of the a lot of the conversation about Euphoria seemed to be negative about, oh, there's so much sex. Why are they showing Sydney Sweeney's tits? Because they're big. They're big. <laughs> That's why. Is that the problem? That's such so weird. It's such a weird complaint. I guess it's very modern complaint to have because i have seen that that uh argument of of how nothing has that anymore and it's for the good i guess because mm-hmm. i guess sexless is better i don't i don't know but yeah i'll i'll check it out and we'll do an episode with kelby bring him back for that excellent excellent all right again patreon.com slash lores five dollar tier sign up for exclusive episodes and all the video episodes of this series because i'm not going to be dropping those really often on youtube I haven't been, but you'll be able to be able, you'll be able to listen to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, regardless. Um, again, 
help out Hans so he can come to the U.S. safely and on yeah. a comfortable dollar at some point whenever we get rolling on things. And uh, all right, that has been Movies for this week. Thank you for listening.